thank you for taking the time to listen to this life-changing message from the ministry of Faith Bible Chapel. We hope this message will encourage you in all parts of your life. At the end of this message, you will hear more information on how to contact our church family, as well as directions for you to visit us for any of our worship services. Until then, join us for the service in progress. Well, guys, listen, we are continuing our series today on You Asked For It. (coughs) Excuse me. And what we did is a few months ago at, at our Easter service, we had to write down some questions about if you could hear a message about something from the Bible, what would that message be? What does God have to say about X? And you fill in the blank. And so we've, we've taken the last four weeks, we've talked about the Holy Spirit, we've talked about evangelism, we've talked about God and our sexuality, we've talked about the second coming of Christ. And so I was going to end it last week, but I, I wanted to take one more Sunday because I want to answer some, a question, hopefully, for many of us. And that's the question today that we're looking at. How do I know what God's will is for my life? Anyone ever ask that question? Raise your hand. I have, and all of us have. And it's a question that's really, really important for us to understand and about what God's, because we all have a desire. We want God's will for our lives. We really do. And there are, along the journey, we can get sidetracked or we can get thrown off. But before we get into this message, something you need to know about the will of God is that his plans for you are good. His plans for you are righteous. His plans for you are the best life you could ever live. And even when God was speaking to a a people, there was a, a people group called the Israelites, and he was speaking to them, and they were rebellious. They were knuckleheads. They were, they were, they went off the rails. They weren't worshiping him. They were doing whatever they wanted. They were living life like he didn't even exist. And even in the midst of their wrong decisions, this is what God said to them out of Jeremiah. 29 11 he says for I know the plans I have for you declares the Lord plans to prosper you and not to harm you and to give you a hope and a future this is your promise today my friends this is it so you need to know today that God's will and his plan for you is good his plans are good his plans are for you to prosper his plans he does not have one one iota of desire to harm you whatsoever he wants you to prosper and his plans for you are good God loves you and he wants you to be in his good and pleasing will for your life that's the baseline of this message today But Paul was writing um, a church in Ephesus, and he was talking to them about the will of God as well. And he says this in Ephesians chapter 5. He says, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. What he's saying here is there are different, many different influences on us in our lives, trying to shape God, the, the will for you to, to go one direction, to go one way, to get us caught up in this material world that, that we live our lives for stuff, we live our lives for things, and we, and we feel empty like we're not fulfilling our will and our purpose. Well, many of that, that might be true today because you're living for the wrong will. We, we live in an evil world that's constantly putting pressure on us, and it's, we're constantly wrestling and walking through. This is very clear that there are influences that try to get us off track. But I wanna talk to you today about one, the grace of God as we walk out the will of God, but also you need to know this, Jesus even had his will pulled. 
Jesus even wrestled with God's will. And, and as, as he was in the garden, as, as the garden of Gethsemane, before he was going to go to the cross, he understood the pain he was going to have to suffer. He understood what God's will was. Though he understood the joy that was set before him, he also knew the pain he was going to have to endure both physically and spiritually as he took the punishment that you deserved upon himself. And it's in that moment that he cried out to God in Luke 22. He says this, Father, if you are willing, take this cup. He's talking about the cup of suffering that's before him. But yet, not my will, but yours be done. How many know this? If Jesus had to submit his will to God, we also would need to submit our wills to God. So here's the question. How do we figure out what God's will is for my life? And I just want to give you some practical things in, um, about this subject as we walk through this because it's very important. It's a question that all of us have. Some of us live in legalism about the will of God. Some of us live in, in, in complete on the other side. It doesn't matter. It's just all going to work out anyway. But there again, there is this, this tension of God's grace and our responsibility as we walk through understanding the will of God. But the first one is this. How do you figure out the will of God for my life? The first one is this. It is just not found, or it is not found by just a feeling. How many here would say that you had a feeling one time, and that feeling wasn't right? (laughs) How many of you have ever been in an argument with your spouse because you felt like something was said a certain way? And as you get further into it, It actually wasn't. Or how many of you have ever felt like someone had a grudge against you, and then finally when you talked to them, they were like, what are you talking about? How many would say that you can't always trust your feelings? Good. And so when you want to discern God's will, one of the issues was just trusting on your feelings is that actually we want God to touch our feelings. We want him to to strum the heart strings of our hearts and we'll know exactly what to do. The only problem with this is that God's will for your life, he may be asking you to do something that your heart doesn't want to do. He might ask you to take a step or to step out in something or to give something that your heartstrings don't feel like they're being played by the master harpist. You're gonna, it's it's going to feel like pain. God's asked Cheryl and I to do some things that I have to be honest with you. I didn't want to do. I didn't want to. Emotionally, I didn't want to do it. My heart wasn't leaning that certain direction. And so we had, we had to crucify our emotions and our feelings and submit to God speaking to us. And after that, we became overwhelmed by peace to know that we're going to follow him. Here's the reality of following Jesus Christ. He is the one that tells me what to do. I don't tell him what he should tell me to do. He says jump, and I say how high. That's just how it is. And so there are times that I have to give up my own desires, give up my own, my, my own things that I think is what I want and where I want to be and where I want to live and who I want to hang out with. God, God's like, listen, I just want you to obey me. And here's the reason why we can't rely on our feelings when discerning God's will because our feelings are unreliable. 
And something that we need to know is that the enemy likes to influence our feelings. And you see this happen in people's lives. They pick things up because they feel them. And so what they want to do is they want to justify the feeling in a spiritual way, and they say, that's what God's revealing to me about someone. But really, it's just suspicion and bitterness. You know, if we always do what we feel in life, we're going to really be in trouble. We're going we're to have some failures. Because feelings come from fatigue. Feelings come from an event you just experienced. Feelings come from hormones or lack of hormones. Comes from something you read, something you saw, something you listened to, a movie that moved you. All kinds of stuff is influencing our hearts. They're very unreliable. And as I've said earlier, all of us have made decisions based on feelings. And after we made that decision, we realized that was the wrong decision because it was based on a wrong feeling. Now, God can use our emotions. He can speak to us. He can move us. That's how he communicates to us at times. But it's not just through emotions and feelings. And God's will for your life is to be walked out and to be walked with God, which I'll talk about in just, just a moment. We, we're all experts of knowing, knowing that our feelings lie. Actually, Jeremiah says this about the human heart. He says, the human heart is <laughs> the most deceitful of all things. He does, he's not playing here. And desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? But I, the Lord... Search all hearts and examine secret motives. The reality is this, depending on where your upbringing was, what you were told, what success was, what you were told you needed to do, a lot of times those motives might be based on someone else's opinion on what you should do with your life, not on God's opinion of what you should do with your life. And so those motives can even be corrupted. So the heart can play tricks on you. Listen, if I had listened to my feelings, I never would have preached my first message. I never would have led worship for the first time. I never would have gone on a mission trip. Some of you would have never been married if you would have listened to your feelings. There are some people that I meet that the day before their wedding, they're thinking, I am out of here. They were overcome by fear. It's a feeling. But thank God you didn't give in to that feeling. Because some of you are with people that you don't deserve, but they sure do love you. If you listen to your feelings, many of us, for me, maybe we never would have had a child. We never would have maybe come to church. Maybe you never would have given your heart to Jesus. Maybe you wouldn't be here today if you would have just listened to your feelings. Because a feeling has hindered us along the way. And that the enemy does, remember, the enemy does try to influence our feelings. So we can't just listen to feelings when it comes to discerning God's will. Number two, also, I want to talk about, again, what it's not. It is not found by a formula. It's not a systematic approach. One plus one equals two, so therefore, that's the will of God. Meaning it's not always step by step. step. Now, it can be if that's what God does, but it's not through a man-made formula. And a formula appeals to many of us because we want to know, listen, if I do this, if I do that, if I read this chapter, read John chapter 4, then I read Revelation chapter 7, then go back to 2 Samuel chapter 5, I will know the will of God for my life. 
And that just doesn't happen that way. But a formula sounds really good because it's logical, it's rational. We get it all figured out and we want a formula, we want a recipe because one, that makes us feel good, like we are also in control of things as well. We want a recipe, we want a step-by-step procedure, we want a ritual. The truth is, most books written about how to discern God's will are, are a, it's just the second kind of formula book. Do this and do that and presto, you've got your decision. We do this in the church. We, we like formulas. We think this color always means this and this means that and, and this number always means this and that. And here's the reality. The issue is if we live by a formula, it doesn't take faith anymore to live out our walk with God. You don't have to ask God, what does that color really mean? You go to your little book, you go color red, means this, because I saw this color that she was wearing a yellow scarf and she was wearing red socks, and therefore it means that I'm called to be a friend and royal to God covered by the blood of Jesus. Amen, that's what it means. You're laughing because many people do that. But we we aren't to determine God's will for our lives by a systematic formula all the time. Follow these seven steps through these 15 things, three steps, and you're guaranteed results. But we've, what we've realized is it doesn't work that way. We think it works that way because most of, most of our lives, when, if we watch TV, everything is worked out within 30 minutes. There is conflict, there is resolution, there is peace, or there's a murder. One of those things. And it's done in 30 minutes. So we want instant results. We want to know, God, what are you saying right now? We want everything to be easy. All the bestseller books are the 10 steps. God's will for dummies. I bet you could sell a lot of those. (laughs) I know you could, actually. I'd buy one, actually. But here's the deal. If God's will for your life is 12 steps, this formula, go to this conference, go to this church, Read that book by that guy, and if you do that, you'll know God's will. If there's 12 steps to all of that, what happens if I mess up step six? Am I just up the creek without a paddle? God's like, you missed step six, Jason. If discovering God's will is a recipe, what if you leave out one of the ingredients and you didn't know it? If you leave baking soda out of a recipe and you're trying to make a birthday cake but you end up with a pancake you think what in the world's going on God's like sorry there's a big difference and I want you to hear me this morning because this is a question all of us ask How, how do I know God's will God's will is not within a box for you it's an active journey we walk with God. It's, it's we get to lean into God. We get to, to walk with him. And most, most Christians don't realize that God's invited us into this journey of discovering his will with him. It is a journey of determining what God's will is for our lives. And God's gifted us with minds as well to be able to think logically and rationally through some things. He can process, we can process through some things. We can reveal, he can reveal things through us and to us. You may not even agree with this statement, but that's okay. I don't think, I think it's a myth that there's only one right person in the world for someone to marry. 
I think that's a myth. Because I will tell you this. I meet with people and have for many, many years. This is the question that comes up. They hit a rough spot in their marriage. They think, you know what, maybe I just didn't marry the right person. So my response is this. Oh, okay, is that true? All right, let me see your marriage license. Let's, let's look down here. Whose name is it? Oh, that's the right person. Because it's on the marriage license. According to the will of God, that's the right person. There's not one place in the Bible that says there's only one person for you to marry. Think about the logic of that just for a moment. I just want you to process. I want to show you how you can use your mind in determining the will of God. What if your right person marries the wrong person? Then your life is just done for because they screwed up God's will for your life. How many know God does, God's bigger than that? Amen? We need to understand that. If God's will is a formula and you blew it 10 years ago, then it's over. You missed the formula. Maybe you made a really dumb decision or you walked away from God or you didn't do the right thing. So for the rest of your life, you've got to settle for second best. Maybe you made a decision 10 years ago, 15 years ago, 20 years ago. There's only one problem with that view that somehow you are, you are hamstrung because of a decision that you made along the way 10 years ago. It's not biblical. That God is the God of second chances. He's the God of new beginnings. He's the God who could pour out water in the middle of a desert and your desert and your barrenness. And he can bring forth fruit that you never even thought was possible. Why? Because he's the God of impossibilities. You're not linked to your past mistakes. You're not a prisoner to them. It's not biblical to think that, that you blew God's will for your life because you screwed up 10 years ago. That's not biblical. Yes, there are consequences for our sin, there are, and I understand all of that. But the will of God is not for your life is not hum, hamstrung because you made one bad decision. God tells us there are great believers all throughout the Scriptures who made massive mistakes, terrible mistakes. And it doesn't say that God gave up on them. Even the scripture we read in the beginning, the children of Israel were worshiping other gods. They had rejected God. They said, God, get out of my life. Get out of our people. And God says, my plans for you are perfect, and they're good, and I love you. That's what God says to us as well. He is faithful even when we are faithless. So God's will is not a feeling. It's not a formula. So how can you find out God's will for your life? Number three, you must walk daily with God. This is about a relationship, my friends. It's about a relationship. A feeling is better than a relationship, or it's easier. It's easier. It feels easier. Formula is easier than a relationship because I'm controlling it. But a relationship, you've got to walk out. You've got to lean into it. You've got to be changed by it. You need to be transformed by God. This is about walking with him. 1 Corinthians 1.9 says this, that God is faithful who has called you into fellowship. This word fellowship is the same word relationship with his son, Jesus Christ our Lord. He invites us into a relationship. He said, come on, come walk with me. It's a lot easier just for us to try to, you know, just like when we don't know something, what do we do? We Google it. 
Remember the days, here's a little side note, remember the days when you would walk around not knowing something? <laughs> I mean, the most obscure thing. Where was Kermit the Frogs born at? I know he's not a real person. I'm just saying, you know. You can find out. Back then, you didn't, you didn't know who was the person behind Kermit the Frog. And you didn't know. And you, you just sat around. You had a cup of coffee. I don't know. Nobody else knew. And then, like, three months later, you're reading a book. And you see, oh, look, the, the voice behind Kermit the Frog is this guy. And then you call your friends. I found out. We don't get that experience anymore. That's a side note. Let's come back to the message here. But we Google it. We want God's answer. We, now, that's what we do. If we don't know, we Google it, then we get the answer. And I'll confess something to you. When I was in my early 20s, God spoke to us. It was the first time God had spoken to Cheryl and I to take a step of faith. It didn't make any sense. We, had, we were in, in ministry. We were working at a church. We were working with a, um, a Youth for Christ in San Antonio. Things were great. Financial things were good. Everything was great. And God spoke to me about moving to Colorado. It didn't make any sense. There was nothing from here, for me here. Cheryl's family was here, but there was nothing for me here. I wasn't coming to, to, to get a job, but God had spoken to me about coming here and serving at Faith Bible Chapel and just serving. That's what he told me to do. I didn't want to do it. It didn't make any sense whatsoever. So I thought, you know what I'm going to do? Like, I was really struggling over this. And I'll confess to you, this is what I did. I, 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 uh, I got online, and I was like, prophetic word online. I was desperate, man. <laughs> Prophetic word online. And then I found this website that for, for a love offering of $20. I'm, I'm dead serious. And then I started laughing. I was like, I, Jason, you were the dumbest person I know. Then I just shut the thing. I was desperate. I wanted to Google it. Let's get it happen. Come on, God. I need to know. Even though I knew, I needed to know again. But God speaks to us and along the journey as we walk with him. Usually, he doesn't give us step five until we take step one. We want step five before we can trust him with step one. But trusting God is about a relationship. It's the reality of we just got, sometimes we just got to take the first step. We just, we just got to do this. God, I don't know. I, I don't know what two, three, and four is, but I'm just, I just, I, 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 but if I leave here, God, that means I got to quit this. It means I got to stop doing this. It means I got to, but God says, can you just make sure, can you just tell me that there's at least a fourth step? And God's totally silent. He's told you the one step. And then you got to take the one step. It's kind of like in a lot of these corporate things they do, they do trust falls. Anyone ever done a trust fall before? You know, I, I mean, trust, this is really what this is, this is like. Jeff, could you come up here for a second? <laughs> His face went like this. Oh. Come on, give Jeff a hand. This is good. So a trust fall, a trust fall is when, you know what a trust fall is, Jeff? I, I do. Should I, should I trust you? Let's come over here. No, no, no. No, do you want to catch me? No, I'll catch you. That's what we'll do. All right. So a trust fall is when, is, is when, when you say, hey, listen, just trust me. I want you to just, just trust me. I've got you. Take, this, take the first step. I've got you. This is what God, God says. Take the first step. I've got you. And so we're like, okay. So, so we're looking at God, and he says, I want you to turn around. 
So turn around, put your hands out to the side, to the side, way out to the side, right here. Now, I want you, I want you to stay stiff, and I want you to fall back. And I want you, I want you to, I want you to trust me, Brother Jeff. Okay, um, so I want you to trust me. This is what God does. And this moment, you're thinking, yes, but God, can I look at you at least? Can I, can I make sure you're standing there? Can, can I make sure? And, and even if, I, say I stop talking. And I say, uh, Jeff, just trust me and fall back. I got you. Go ahead. Oh, yeah. Nice work. Thanks. Thank Come on, give Jeff a hand. That's it. Thanks, man. He didn't know I was going to ask him to do that, for real. But that's what the first step is. It's like, God, you sure you want me to do this? God, you sure you want me? God, God, are you sure? Sometimes, most of the time, people go like this. I did it, God. He's like, you did not do it. Go back and do it again. But you have to walk with God daily, and you learn to trust God as you walk with him. And so I want to give you some, how, some, some points on how God's will is found. And we'll move through these quickly. One, it's found by confessing that I need guidance. Many people, oh, God, just show me, just show me, just show me, just show me. Actually, what you're doing is, God, I want you to show me so I don't look like a fool. It really has nothing to do about your will, God. This has everything to do about how I look in front of people. Psalm 25.9 says this. He guides the humble in what is right, and he teaches them his ways. Confessing I need guidance is a step of humility. It says, God, I don't know. God, I don't have this thing worked out. God, I don't have this figured out. But I need to know. It reveals the posture of your heart, recognizing that you're in deep need of a Savior. It takes humility. It also gives you peace, though, because in the middle of it, you realize this isn't about me knowing it. God, this is about me recognizing I don't know, and God, I just need your guidance in my life. It is a step and an act of humility before God. God, I need to know your will. Secondly, how do you know God's will? We need to be specific in our prayers. Begin to ask God specifically what you need. James says this out of 1.5. He says, if you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. He won't rebuke you for asking. I think many times we have this mindset that God is the parent on a long trip. And we're the kids in the back seat saying, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? And then all of a sudden you get the, the growl from dad, shut up. I would never tell my children that. I just heard someone did it one time. That's what we think God is. But here's the deal. God is not like the parent on a road trip. He, said, he says this, you need to ask me. You need to seek after me. You need to knock. 
on me that the door will, and then the door will be open. Keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking, keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking, keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking. And every time we say, God, are we there yet? He says, no. God, are we there? He says, no. God, are we there yet? He says, no. He never gets upset. He wants us to talk to him. Be specific. Write down what your needs are. Be very specific. Write it down. God, I need $1,200 by next Tuesday. God, I need a job. God, I need you to heal my marriage. God, I need you to heal my mind. God, I'm addicted to pornography. I need you to bring deliverance to me. God, I'm addicted to alcohol. God, I need you to, to restore me. God, I'm addicted to painkillers. God, I'm addicted. Why don't you be specific? God, I need to know what you're asking me to do. God, do you want me to be a missionary? God, do you want me to be a pastor? God, do you want me to be a teacher? God, do you want me to be a businessman? God, do you want me to be a construction worker? Ask him. Write it down. Be specific in what you are asking. And after you've prayed and after you've asked, God's will is found by, number three, listening for his answer. This is where many of us get off track because we're too busy to listen for the response. We don't have time. We ask him and then we rush off and we do whatever we were asking him about if we should do it or not, but we do it anyway whether he answered us or not. But God's always speaking. God's always wanting to speak to you. You need to understand that God is a God who speaks. He is, speak, he is not silent or off somewhere doing something and, and he just can't be bothered by you. He is a God that's constantly communicating to those who would listen to him. Job thirty three fourteen says this about God. For God does speak now one way and now another way. Though no one Perceives it. In other words, he is speaking, but people are not tuned into his voice. He's speaking one way, then another way, and then people still don't hear him. In this room, there are radio waves that are feeling this room. Why can't you hear them? Because one, you're not a radio. Two, you, you cannot tune in to these radio waves, but a radio can. But for we, for we at us as Humans who are serving Jesus Christ, we are designed to hear messages from God, just like a radio is designed to hear radio waves. We are designed to hear from God. He created you to be able to hear from God, hear his voice, let his words speak to you, transform you, lead you down the pathway of righteousness, that the steps of a righteous man will be ordered by God. That's how we do it. So how do we tune in? What are some of the channels? Some ways God speaks to us, number one. The primary way speaks to us through the word of God, through the Bible. This is what, how he speaks to us. It's the authority of scripture. And as you read it, it begins to transform you. It begins to speak to you. Begins, things begin to leap off the page at you and guide you and shape you. And God will never tell you to do something that violates the principles in his word. He'll never tell you to do it. it he will never tell you to do something that violates principles in his word. Second way that God speaks to us, through what channel? He speaks to us through teachers, through people. He uses people in our lives and different leaders in our lives to speak to us. You ever been in a service and you felt like, Jason, why are you preaching at me today? What's your problem with me? What? God is just using the, the communication of his word through an individual to transform you, to speak to you, to change you, to alter you, to make you, to, to build your faith so that you can take a step to follow him. 
Number, not, another way he speaks is through influences or nudges from the Holy Spirit. Speaks to us, guides us, nudges us. About a month ago, I was driving down the road. I've been praying about a specific thing. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, the Holy Spirit popped me and said, this is what I want you to do. I knew it. I knew it was the Holy Spirit. It lined up with his word. I've been talking to other people about it. I feel like it's what God is saying. And so I'm like, okay, God, I'll just begin to walk that out. I've been praying about it. I'll keep praying about it. And I, and I will allow the nudges of the Holy Spirit to help shape what God's saying to me. In other ways, and another way that God speaks is through circumstances. And this is just a reality. God speaks through our circumstances. And it's hard to hear God when we are suffering. It's hard to hear God when we, when we have pain in our lives. And to be honest, it seems as though God speaks the most profound, significant things at the most difficult time for us to hear him. That's just the reality. But God is speaking through your circumstances, in the midst of your circumstances. It's also very important to know that God speaks along the way when you're determining God's will for your life. He speaks along the way. I've known people who said, I feel like God's asked me to do this, and so they set out to do it, and then they get halfway down the way, and they sense that God's actually, actually that wasn't exactly what God was saying. He was saying something else, but they're too worried about what people will think if they make a course correction. And so they end up serving the opinion of man versus the opinion of God. And they'll keep down a trajectory that will take them to a place that God, maybe, maybe God used that to get them moving, but that wasn't the end target. That wasn't the, the, the end result. That wasn't the end of the journey. It was a way to get them moving. And that's how God works. Please hear me today from my own experience. Let God speak to you along the way. God is speaking along the way. Listen to him. Let God work these constant course corrections in your journey and he's, as he taps the boat, as he taps the boat along the way. Let him do that. Don't resist that. And the reality is this. Sometimes he's going to lead us in ways that we just do not understand, which brings us to our last point. That's why this one is very important, that you can know God's will by trusting God when I don't understand. Trusting God when you don't understand. Proverbs 3 says this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him or acknowledge him. And he will make your paths straight. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. And he will make your path straight. The reality is that God's, this is God's grace. It doesn't say trust in the Lord, make sure you make all the right steps. He's, this, this word is speaking to those who their desire is to please the Lord. Their desire is to let their life be used of God, however he wants it to do, however God wants to use their life. And that he will, everyone say he will. He will, he will make your path straight. Not you will. He will. And this is what it looks like as a life submitted to God. You experience the grace of God. When you maybe make a wrong turn, he will still make your path straight. Yeah. 
Amen? That's the grace of God. The example comes up in the Old Testament of the children of Israel. We're coming out of Egypt. They've been delivered supernaturally. They were, they, they were leaving. Moses was leading them. There's millions of them leaving Egypt on the way to the promised land. And they think, wow, wasn't this great? Isn't this amazing? And so they, they go and they, they follow what, where God told them to go. And all of a sudden they come up to the Red Sea. And they think, huh, how are we going to get across the Red Sea? And the other, another person says, oh, just, real FYI, just FYI, the Egyptian army is coming behind us to kill us all. And it's, it's the okay corral, okay? We can't go anywhere. They're going to kill us. They are at a dead end. They are stuck. And all of a sudden, they started to doubt at this moment. Did we miss God? Maybe this wasn't God's will. I thought he wanted us to have freedom. We thought Moses was supposed to follow us down the right pathway. We thought we'd make the right decision. Look, we're going to get killed. It would have been better for us to stay back in Egypt. Just stay. Stay there and be slaves. Let's come out here and get killed by the Red Sea and murdered. And all of our children, all of our family. Thanks a lot, Moses. Thanks a lot, God. But here's the reality. When they didn't understand... God had them exactly where he wanted them. He was testing them. It looked impossible, but God had not made a mistake. God had brought them to this place where it wasn't about their own power, wasn't about their own knowledge, wasn't about what they could do. Now they were stuck and they had to rely on God. That's why we must trust God when we don't understand. And then all of a sudden, in the middle of, of it's almost over, the Red Sea opens up and God makes a way where there seems to be no way at all. And they make it through. David wrote about this in Psalm 77. He said this, your road led through the sea and your pathway through the mighty waters, a pathway no one knew was even there. No, here's the deal. Nobody knew the pathway was there, but God did. God knew it was there. He knew he was going to take them right through the middle of the Red Sea. They come to the end of themselves. They say, this doesn't work. We can't do this. This is, a, this is a parable of our lives. You may be at what you think is a dead end. We're never going to get out of debt. We're never going to get out of this problem. Things are never going to work out for us. My dream is never going to come true. We're never going to have a baby. You think it's a dead end. You think it, it's impossible. God, you led us this far to abandon us at the Red Sea. You got my hopes up. You made me believe that you could do this, and now here I am. I'm staring at the sea, and the enemy's right behind me. And God is squeezing you. He's testing you. I want you to know something today. No matter what you're facing, where there is no way, our God will make a way. He will make a way where there is no way. He will open a sea. He will bring water in the middle of a desert. He will, bring the, he will replace a heart of stone with a heart of flesh. He will bring the right person to speak to your child who has been rebelling and running from God. He loves that child more than you ever dreamed. He cares for that son. Where 
it seems there is no way. According to this scripture, God, your pathway through the mighty waters, you're making, you made a pathway that no one knew was there, but my God, you are faithful and you knew the whole time. I now know that I can trust you. Right now, it may look dark for you. It may look depressing. You may feel defeated. It may seem like it's the greatest mystery of your life. But God says, will you still follow me? Will you still trust me when you don't understand? You say, but God, it doesn't make sense. God, I can't wrap my head around it. God says, will you still trust me if you can't understand it? The reality is this. We serve a God whose plans are good. They are perfect. And I don't know how everything or what is going on in this room and how everything, how everybody is feeling and what the deep darkness you're walking through. But what I do know is this. Our God and our Savior, He will make a way where there is no way. And we can, we can confess, God, we need your guidance. We can say, God, this is what I need you to do in my life. And we can specifically write it out and just talk to God about it. And we listen, Lord, you just tell me. We read the word. We walk daily with him. We wake up, God, this is your day. My life is your life. My footsteps are your footsteps. Let my thoughts be your thoughts. Let his word transform you and change you. And then when you face a situation that you just can't understand, God's asking you to trust him. To trust him. We hope that this message has spoken something personal to you. If you would like more information about our church family or service times, please call us at 303-424-2121 or visit us at our website, www.fbci.org. Faith Bible Chapel currently meets in our Family Worship Center, located on the corner of 62nd Avenue and Ward Road.